0: or visit our page at MyFaithWay.org. Now let's experience life in a new way. The Faithway. Okay, so what I was saying was, I'm sure nobody heard me. The, um, the, uh, so last week uh, when Pastor was, uh, was talking <clears throat> about uh, patience, he said, raise your hand if you have patience. So I raised my hand because that's kind of a joke between, uh, between me and him. Uh, because he says that I well it depends either I have the blood of a lizard that 's usually what he 'll tell me or that, uh, or that uh, my blood runs slower than syrup on ice or something like that it 's not nice but, um, but the, you know what I was telling somebody after church was that um, what most people don 't know about me, and my wife 's not here she 's over in the nursery today is that I actually I do have a lot of patience, but I have a really horrible temper. And I have nobody in my family that, will, that is here to admit it, but it's, it's really true. Um, my, um, my mom had a really bad temper, and my dad had a really long fuse, and I got both. So it's one of those things that, that you know, I've always been a pretty patient guy. You know, I'd rather, uh, I'd rather get what I want than get what I want quickly. You know what I mean? Uh, it doesn't really matter to me how much, you know, how long it takes. Um, that's just kind of my character. But that works in, I mean, that's, a, that's an okay kind of patience to have. Um, you know, it's better than, you know, blowing up at your boss and, you know, having to go look for a new place to work. But there's, there's a, a, a Bible patience. There's a patience that's a fruit of the Spirit. And those two are not the same thing um patience in the world is kind of like the ability to put up with you know uh and and a lot of people you know we we have that or maybe we don't have that but the problem is if we try to take that idea of patience into um into the way the bible talks about it you know then it's not really it's not really what god's talking about and what happens is we end up like for example, when people say, you know, wait upon the Lord, most of the time we feel like it's like this. You know what I mean? Like, you know, seriously, God, you know, show up. And I've been there. And, and so the idea that, that you wait on God or that you're patient for God in that same kind of way is not the right picture. Uh, and so I still had to learn, even though by nature I'm kind of an easygoing Mellow kind of guy, in my own opinion, anyway. Um, What happens is that that doesn't really work in God's way of doing things. Uh, When when the Bible talks about patience, it really means something kind of particular, and it's really important because it's how, as you'll see, you know, going through the going through the 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 scriptures that I've prepared today, we're going to see that patience is one of the ways that God kind of makes the whole system work. And so if you don't have patience, then receiving from God becomes really difficult. And to be honest, um, if you don't understand it, it kind of makes you a little bit bitter. Because, well, because you feel like you're, you know... (laughs) you feel like you're 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 getting this it's kind of like uh you know like you're playing monopoly and you pass go and then nobody gives you $200 you're like I'm playing by the rules what's what's happening you know and if you don't understand bible patience then what happens is you don't know why it doesn't work and then you get angry and then maybe you give up or maybe you just turn bitter you know um and so what I'm what I'm wanting to do is kind of bring you a bigger picture and then bring it down to where it is something that you can use on a daily basis to make sure that 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 your I don't know what to say other than life works the way God says it should. I mean God God says that your life should go a certain way. You know, if you believe in him, there are certain promises that he made And if we don't receive them, then there might be an issue. And I would say, you know, my my MO for when something's not working in my life is I don't ask what, you know, what God did wrong. I ask, you know, where am I messing it up? And I try to make adjustments to, you know, it's not... um, Because at the end, you know, you... it. it, I have a really strange approach, and I think it's really similar to pastors in that I, I think it's why... Despite being really different people, we get along really well. Is that we demand a lot from our from our faith, from our religion. If you know, if we go into it, we're kind of a hundred and ten percent kind of guys. And if if we don't get what the rules say, we get, then we're not playing. You know, it, it, life is too short to do things halfway and so when you when you throw yourself in there you need to you need to find results and so you know um i think that's that's something that i want to be able to pass on to you guys is that you get this picture that that you should demand a lot from your faith and when it doesn't work that you find out why and make the corrections because again um the only way you prove this is in your own life your own day to day um well so that's enough of an introduction. So, again, the topic's going to be patience, and in order to make sure that we all get it, I'm going to preach for four and a half hours. (laughs) Was that one, yay? (laughs) All right. Um, No, um, we'll take what it takes, but but I I generally try to uh, keep it short, but to the point. So hopefully, um, we won't be testing our patience that way. Um, So first thing, let's uh, open our Bibles or... Flipping in your iPad to Psalms 37. And if you want to make a note, Psalm 37 is a really good one. It's a really good one to read the entire thing when you're in that mood. You know, when you're a little upset because as far as you're concerned, you've been playing by the rules and things aren't working out. Because that's what, the entire, that's what the entire psalm is about. <clears throat> and so in this psalm, David is talking about what, what it looks like. If you look in verse 1, he says, fret, your, fret not yourself because of evildoers neither be envious against the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither like green herbs. Trust in the Lord and do good. So shall you dwell in the land, and verily, I'll tell you the truth, you will be fed. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, that's a scripture that we all kind of know that last part, if nothing else. But, but, It starts off by saying you know God is telling you I know that I know that you want certain things I know that that you desire certain things and while you're sitting here you're watching people who do all kinds of terrible things who are not who are not doing things the way that you know that God wants them done and yet they seem to be doing good you know you can you can uh, point at any number of people that you know. You know how they live, and it seems like they're able to make it work in this world. And and then we read our Bible, when it, and the Bible says, you know, if, if you don't act a certain way, well, all of these bad things happen. And then it doesn't look like it makes sense. You know, it doesn't look like it makes sense because it looks like some people are able to do bad things and not just get away with it, but get really successful doing bad things. And What David is trying to get people to remember is that your eyes are in the wrong place your eyes are in the wrong place and that's what this whole scripture is about let's look at at verse 7 and he says rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him and this is the first this is the first um, use of that the first time in the Bible which is funny that it took that long to get written down but it's the first usage in the Bible of the word patience and what it's referring to is, you know, don't get upset when you see the difference between um, what's going on in your life and what's going on in other people's lives. I mean, that's, that's just the, 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 the root of it. He says, fret not yourself because of him who prospers in his way. Because the man who brings wicked devices to pass. Well, sorry, I put the emphasis in the wrong spot. So he says, fret not because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked devices to pass, but cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself in any way to do evil. Because, see, that's the next thing that happens is, you know, when we see people doing not the right thing and getting ahead, then, you know... Well, if that's how you do it, then let me do it that way. And he says, don't, don't, don't do that. Don't get upset. Don't get angry. He says, because evildoers shall be cut off, but those that wait upon the Lord shall inherit the earth. Okay, so this is, this is his point. This is David's point, and this is what God is, is telling us, is don't be looking at, at other people. Um, if there's one thing that you need to know about about God and about the Bible and how all this thing works is that as far as God's concerned, it's only about you. It's lit, I mean, you know, it's not going to work. You know, you're not going to die and and go to heaven and then God sits there and tells you, well, you know, what about this thing? And he's like, well, my neighbor, you know, they were doing it and they, you know what I'm saying? We we know that. And yet sometimes we like to we like to compare ourselves with other people, and that's the number one way to get in a bad mood. You see because god didn't promise God didn't promise uh things in it how can I put it what God promised you he's going to make happen for you, and it really doesn't depend on anything else it's one of the things that happens because it's you know, when I talk to people um, about prosperity and that kind of thing, most people—it's um, not about—it's not about the dollar amount. In other words, I mean, we see that that God calls people uh, in the Bible prosperous, that you know, just have the equivalent of, of you know a few pennies. So it's not really about that. It's about—it's about God knows your circumstance. And when he says that he's going to prosper you, he means he's going to prosper you. Now, what level that is, don't compare yourself. Because it doesn't matter. You know, it's funny that somebody, you know, it's hard for people to grasp that God is so good that if God calls you to be, you know, what the world would consider the lowest, you know, the lowest of the low, there's... uh, you know, that there, <laughs> there's some places in, uh, in third world countries. Um, don't ask me how I know this. Um, where, you know, the sewer system is not all modern like we have it. And ultimately what happens is there's like, like a big metal grate that strains everything out so that the water can keep flowing. And when that thing backs up, well, it gets really ugly in the village. And there's a guy. Who has to go in there and jump in the water And clean out Clean out the metal grate Okay Not a job I would want to have But people are doing that job around the world And the thing is If God has said look you know, This is what I need you to do I mean I would agree that that's a really important job I don't want it But it's really important But if God says look you know, This is what I need for you to do right now God will give that person as much reward in heaven as Billy Graham got for doing what he did. Because it's not about, it's not about the capacity. It's, it's basically what God expects from you, what, what God has asked of you, what God knows you're able to, to, um, to give. And that's why we see, like, you know, in the Bible when Jesus tells the story about the about the rich people who put lots of money for show into the into the basket and a lady comes in and puts you know two pennies, two mites, and Jesus says she gave more than everybody else because he was looking at her compared to her and no one else. And that really is that really is the that really is the the way God sees things. It's it's personal. It's why we say that that salvation is personal. It's literally just what he asked you to do. And it's not about what he asked anyone else to do. Because to be honest, somebody somebody who does the least of the jobs in the kingdom, whatever that happens to be, and they do it as well as they can, will get a better outcome, will get better rewards from God than someone who has a lot of talent and only uses a little bit of it. So it's, it's all very personal. And so the, the whole point about patience in the first time the Bible uses it is using you or trying to get you to see that your patience should be directed inward. It, you know, in other words, it's a weird kind of race that we run where the only people that we race against are ourselves. You know, we don't have to beat our neighbors. In fact, the Bible kind of talks uh, you know sort of against that. It's not about that you're in competition with your neighbors. You're in competition with her, who you were yesterday. And that's really it. You're in competition with what God knows is within you as opposed to you know what you think is in you or what you think isn't in you. Okay, so it really is this idea of patience comes about because it's getting a good look, you know, getting a realistic look at who you are and what God has asked from you. And don't worry about everybody else. In other words, keep your focus on the main thing. You know, don't worry about whether this, you know, bad guy just bought a new house that, you know, is fantastic. Or, you know, this person who is a known, you know, whatever inserts in here, you know, has a, has a, a, a wonderful life. And I'm sitting here trying to make ends meet what God is telling you is don't worry about how they do what they do. They prosper in their way. So the scripture exactly said it just like that. But he says that, I mean, he he mentions two things here in, in this psalm that are just critical. One is that he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, what is that? That's between you and God. But if you're patient and you do what He tells you, God has no problem, God has no problem rewarding you, but the the issue is keep your eyes where they need to be, you know, between you know what talents you have and what God has asked you to do with them, rather than well look what somebody else has and and look what's happening with them. So that first idea of patience is to give us this idea that you know. To quote my mom from back when I was in elementary, you worry about yourself. Because, I mean, did anybody have parents like that? But mom is just a he- I mean, and, and the thing is, it works for me. It works for me as an adult now. Because, you know, it's just the way it works. If, if you know, as a kid, you know, if you smack me and then I smack you and I get in trouble... I knew I wasn't supposed to do it. I did it anyway. So you do it, you pay for it. That's, you know, so now we have people that, that you know, they don't, they want to relax into, you know, what should and shouldn't. And they try to excuse themselves because of what somebody else did. And God says that's, that's not it at all. You know, you know, you know, I don't care what other people do to you. You know what's right and wrong. So I know that's not. Nobody likes to hear that message, but it, it, it really is. In other words, if you do the wrong thing to me and I do the right thing to you, the world calls me a uh, you know a, a pushover, a wimp, whatever you want to call it. But if I do what God tells me to do in that situation and I don't retaliate, no matter how that is, because you know it's not not everything's a fist fight. But if I don't retaliate and I just you know I blow it off because God's telling me you know what just blow it off then I get the rewards from God because he's the one judging me on what what I did versus what he told me to do. So I don't care how the world looks at it. I compare, again, just that, that simple. You know, what did God ask for me and what did I do? You know, it doesn't matter how people see that because people don't know everything. You know what I'm saying? Like, just to kind of put it really blunt, you know, if uh if I were to come up one day and be like, Oh, the Lord told me to put five thousand dollars in the bucket and I make a big show out of it and I do it, right? And God actually told me to put twenty. What did I do? I got everybody's approval in the church and it means nothing to God. All God saw was disobedience. So be careful what you know what you see because the 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 rules the rules are between you and God and you have to you have to make sure that you ju- it's like i said you judge yourself against who you were yesterday and not what anybody else is getting because at the end of the day when you stand before God it's going to be all about what you did not what somebody made you do because all things considered i don't know why i'm staying on here somebody needs to hear it i guess but the issue is it's never going to it's never going to matter what people do to me it's going to matter whether i did what god asked me to do about it period you know because god's not going to you know in other words i know there's a part in real life where where we we like to judge whether people deserved it or not you know whether we got even or someone else did you know but god it's like i said god doesn't god doesn't do things that way you judge yourself against what he asked from you and that's it and if you can successfully carry out what he asked from you it doesn't matter what anybody else says so that was if i didn't really have points but if i if if you're going to be writing them down that's the first one is don't judge yourself against other people because everybody's running their own race everybody's getting their own Their own uh, rewards from their own doings. And yes, some people look like they take shortcuts and that they're winning, but God is the one that keeps the score. And it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter what the world thinks about it, your rewards don't come from them. You know, if I've literally been in situations where. I have, let's call it invested money in things that I knew were not going to work. I just knew they weren't going to work. But it wasn't about that. It was about it was about being helpful, about being part, about... In other words, I knew I had God, God's green light to do it, but I had like zero that this was going to work out. It didn't make any sense at all. And then I've seen those things turn around and... I've seen it both ways. One where, you know, like, I'm surprised and this thing actually works. You know, it pays off in a way that, like, I didn't put those two things together. Or I've seen the other thing happen where it goes like I thought it did and it all blows up. And then God causes something else to happen that I wasn't expecting that gets me paid back and then some. And this is like I said this is the only sort of like the, the 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 best real example I can give you in my life that it's the first time that happened to me, God brought to mind a scripture because it's it, and it's the one that I still struggle with it's nothing super deep but it's that it's that scripture in the parables where where um where Jesus is talking to um Jesus is talking to the disciples and he's telling them. Uh, a parable about the guy who, you know, the master who goes away and he gives, you know, talents to the the, the, the guys and he comes back. Um, and the guy who went and buried it and just brought it back said, I knew you were a hard man that you reap where you don't sow. Now, why would Jesus throw that in there? I mean, I guess just to make me scratch my head for like most of my life. Because what does that really mean? And, uh, you know, I'm not, it's like I said, I still struggle with what, you know, what did he mean by that? Because it really, you know, and some people say, well, you know, he was a wicked servant. Who cares what he said? Doesn't mean it was right. But see, Jesus said that he said it. And so, you know, like I said, that's just something that's always bugged me. Do I have an answer? Not really. But I kind of think that that is something that that I Circumstances in my life have made me think of that. That when I do what God tells me to do over here, even though this blows up, but I was obedient, he causes me to harvest over here where I didn't plant. And like I said, is that what that scripture means? I don't know. Has that happened to me? Many times. You know, where where God rewards my obedience, but not in the thing he asked me to be obedient to. Like it's not it doesn't always make sense like that. At least in my life, that's not how it's worked out, you know. And what that, what that has caused me to do is basically trust God more. Like, it doesn't have to make sense. If I'm sure that, you know, my my job then is to make sure that I'm doing what God told me to do and not whether what I'm supposed to do makes sense to me. You see, because if you remember back when you were a little kid, you did it because mom or dad said to not because it made a whole lot of sense and then later on when you grew up you understood how it makes sense see I'll I'll, uh, I'll, I'll give you a quick I'll give you a quick example of that cuz my my kids didn't understand this the first time that they were told so <clears throat> let's see parents is there a connection between when you tell your kids to i don't know take out the trash or something like that you know chore around the house whether they they're like Yes, Mom. Yes, Dad. And they just go and do it and, and, you know, they just get it done and no grumbling. Is there a connection between that and whether or not that kid gets a car later on? Yes, right? Explain that to a kid. But trash. No, no, no. You don't understand. It was a deeper thing. And faithfulness, responsibility, those things are all way more... I, I know that you see trash. But parents see responsibility and faithfulness and love and compassion and a whole lot of other things that we're working on building in you guys that you don't have any idea of because you're not parents yet. But God is the same way. Sometimes he tells us to do stuff that you know, can you sow garbage and reap a car? Yes, you can. (laughs) Listen to me, children. I mean it. Okay? Because if if you're that hard to get off the couch... You know, that checkbook may just not pop out. Parents? Okay. So it's like I said, this is not this is not a this is not um it's not rocket science, but it is family. And 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 the best way for you to understand the way God is with people is to understand family. You know, the, the, um because it really that's the number one thing on his mind. It has been since the beginning. All right, so Again, God is God is building children here. He's not really, you know, it's not really about, you know, it's not really about rewards. And parents, with that example I just gave, it's not even about the car. It's about the responsibility and the compassion and the obedience and all the other things. The car is just an outward sign. You show me all these things, all these things that you can do. I mean, as... If you're looking at your child, you show me you have responsibility, you have compassion, you can be trusted. All of these things that we talk about, the car's the least. You can, I mean, let's face it, you're going to have everything I have anyway someday. All I want to do is make sure that you don't kill people with it. You know, that you have, that you grow up to the kind of person that can handle, you know, what this life can give you. All right. So moving on from there like i said just to, just to cover that again your your be patient because your your rewards come from god your obedience is to god and that's it you know don't worry about you know people who spend too much time comparing their situation with other people's situation it's nothing but unhappiness there why because it's a whole different situation. They might look similar from the outside, but you know that's why that's why your responsibility is towards God, not you know, who cares what other people say. Now, let's go to Ecclesiastes chapter seven, and we'll look at the next point. So Ecclesiastes chapter seven and verse eight says better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof and the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit and that was a that was an interesting uh i went back in there to because it, it just kind of got that feeling that there was more in there so i went back and did some did some study into the words here and it's it's funny because what they're talking about so when he says the end of a thing is better than the beginning we all know people and hopefully we're trying not to do that ourselves but who get really excited about new things and want to be doing different things all the time and they you know they're always starting something but the bible says it's better to finish something than it is to start it okay now that shouldn't that shouldn't you know be a revelation for most of us it, you know if you're going to start something you should finish it okay but it's that second part there The patient in spirit and not the proud in spirit. So, like, proud in spirit, that, like, didn't make a lot of sense to me. So I said, like, I I looked in there to see what what the words are talking about. And it's funny because they are actually, it's actually um, talking about two really plain concepts. When he's talking about patient in spirit, the word they use is long. And it literally can be used like, you know, like something physically long, like a long nose or a long... Uh, tr- a long pole or something like that it's the same word um and the word proud means high like high up and the picture is it's better that you come alongside and stick with it than you know to be very high over it and in other words like you come in <laughs> you come in fast and furious but you don't, you know, in other words, you, you swoop down on it from a high spot, but you don't stick with it. Better that you stick with it and finish it than you hit it really hard and then tomorrow you're on to something else. And so that's another thing about patience is that, is that the things that God is trying to get to you, they take, they take time. They take development. They take patience. Um, they take endurance, People know we have to build endurance, right? But if you look at the word, even the word endurance, right? Endurance means to be hard. And that really is, you know, anybody who's tried to do anything, you know, endurance running or something like that, people who do, do long distance running, it's more mental even than it is physical because you just want to quit. And so in order to keep going, you have to make yourself hard to all those feelings that, you know, the feelings from your legs, the feelings from your mind, the feelings from your back. You know, you just don't want to do this anymore. But you have to make yourself hard against that. And that's, that's the same picture that the Bible is talking about. That to receive things from God, we have to be willing to get down and spend a long time with it. How long? Don't know. How big is your goal? But what God is saying is that he'd rather that you be patient that you be that you be with it working on it for a long time and get it than you hit it really hard on Monday and you're on to something else by Tuesday because you'll start a whole bunch of things and you'll receive nothing and again that's the whole point of of patience so so like I said I thought this was an important point is, is that you know a lot of times in our culture we want we want things fast and you know, nature doesn't work that way. Um, well, I could give lots of examples, but they just don't work that way. You know, um, if somebody's offering you some kind of uh, something to eat, you know, from a plant to a, you know to a steak or something like that, and they tell you, "Oh yeah, no, I planted this, uh, I planted this crop yesterday." And then I added this stuff to it, and everything all just popped out. Or, you know, this, this calf was just born yesterday, and now he weighs 3,000 pounds. Yeah, I'm not sure I would eat that, because nature doesn't work like that. And you've got to wonder exactly how it happened. Okay, but yet God is dealing with you. I mean, he, he's, not trying to, he's not trying to magically make you something. He's trying to get you to develop into something. And development takes time and patience. And so, and that's another thing since I'm on the subject. Patience with yourself would be nice also. Because unfortunately sometimes, you know, (laughs) I think some of us should hear or see a video of ourselves telling other people the stuff we tell ourselves. Then you'd get embarrassed. There you are, like yelling at some kid, what the heck is wrong with you, you stupid? You can't do anything right, stupid. And then you feel horrible you were yelling that at a kid. Oh, but it really wasn't a kid. That's what you told yourself yesterday when you, you know. So be careful. You know, again, um, even, <laughs> even at that point, right, you're criticizing, you're criticizing something God made that might not be the smartest thing to do. Um, you know, so when you have patience and you have grace, remember to include yourself in there also. Um, all right. So, moving on. Now we look over in the in the New Testament. We see the same thing, except in the New Testament, uh, for some reason they prefer the word long suffering, uh, which sometimes it feels like that. But long suffering really is just another word that that people used to use for for patience. It's just in the Greek, it actually really is. It, it really does paint that picture uh the word the the word in greek they use for patience really really looks like um like holding something up for a really long time okay so that's why that long suffering is used but um but let's turn to ecclesiastes i'm sorry we just came from there let's go to galatians chapter 5 and verse 22 again, this is one of those chapters that I would suggest you read the whole thing. uh, Because what he's, what, uh, what Paul's talking about here in the, in the church of, uh, of Galatia is there's, there's a fight going on. Uh, Half of the church wants to turn everybody into Jews first so that then they can become Christians. That's this whole thing about circumcision. The, The whole reason for having circumcision is because that is something that Jewish people did that nobody else did so it's really not about it's not about circumcision in 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 the you know of just doing it the point is that they were saying basically what they were arguing is we need to make these guys Jewish first and then they then they can accept the messiah and Paul was saying that's that's not the right way to do it now in the middle of all that though i want you to see that the point that he's building is He's trying to explain to the people who are thinking about it correctly that we should not have to become Jewish first to become Christians, right? So that's, that's Paul's point, and he's correct on it, and he's fighting against some people in the church that are not, but he's talking to the people that support him, that support his position, okay? And what he's telling them is be patient with those other guys. So in the middle of all this, I know we've probably read this before, but if, if you look at the thread that's going through there... What he's talking about is how to deal with issues that are coming against what you know is right. Okay, so let's, knowing that that's kind of the picture here. He says, let's look at, let's look at verse 13. And see, so Paul knows that if they start down this road of becoming Jewish first, So it starts with circumcision, but it it, it keeps going with, well, now we have to keep all 6,600 laws and all this other stuff. Um, And so he knows that that way is wrong. Okay, It's going to bring people into bondage, 100%. So don't be confused about that, right? Paul is not making excuses for them. He knows that people who follow that are going to be in trouble. But he says... Look at verse 13. He says, For brethren, you have been called unto liberty. Only do not use it as an occasion to the flesh, but love and serve one another. So he's telling them to love and serve people that are not even, they're in the church, but they're like headed in the wrong direction. They're literally messing people up. But he says, You still need to love and serve them. He says, For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you not be consumed by one another. Okay? Now again, he's not saying they're right. What he's saying is you still need to love them. You still need to take care of them. And understand that if you play that same game, now they're wrong, so they're going to bite. Okay, but he's not talking to them because, let's be honest, if they were listening, they, it's not God they're listening to. So he can't control them. They're not listening to him. Okay, so again, how does this, how does this affect us? This is a particular problem in, in the Galatian church, but, yeah, look at, look at your own life. Your life, I mean, you may be dealing with another Christian. And they're, remember, this this is a sermon about patience. So you're dealing with other people. And maybe those other people even call themselves Christians. And they're doing things that you know are not right. Commandment, love and serve. And be careful that you don't bite at them. Because then you both devour each other. That's what. That's what Paul said. I didn't even say it. He says, so it's not, about, it's not about agree with them. It's not about support them. It's about love them, even if they're wrong. Why? Because he can't tell them to do anything. They're not listening to him. You see what I'm saying? So it, it's, it's pretty useless for you to go to God and complain about how so-and-so did you wrong and fix it when that person is obviously not listening to God, otherwise they wouldn't have done that to you. I mean, you know, if he was, if these people were listening to God, they wouldn't be doing the things they were doing. But guess what? God doesn't care. Love and serve. Did that hurt? Sorry. It's in there. I didn't make it up. But Why? Okay, the why is because God takes care of it. It's not your job to take care of it, so he says, Walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. We use that so much, but in that context, the lust of the flesh was to go get even. You know I know we we make it big spiritual thing. we will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. He's like, no, you can't go beat up that guy for what he told you, even though he was wrong. That's really, you know, that's kind of more, more directly what he was talking about. <clears throat> now, let's look at, at verse, um, well, we might as well go through the list. So the works of the flesh, all right? So what he's talking about is, is when people go off on their own. You know, reacting to things as opposed to listening to God first. He says, The works of the flesh are manifest, which are these adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft. I'm stopping here not because, you know, uh, we're here in uh, South Texas where witchcraft actually is a thing. Well, I mean, I'm assuming that the price of eggs hasn't dented the curanderismo around here. Anyway. Um, but the, uh, but if, if believe it or not, go look and see if you can. If, if I'm not telling you the truth on this one, the word here translated, uh, witchcraft, is not witchcraft. The word translated here, witchcraft, is drugs. If you look at it, the the word that's there, the word they translate witchcraft, is pharmacy. I'll just leave that one there. And basically the reason why those two things were connected is because, I mean, well, you've heard of that, uh, even in Mexico, that in order to do their witchcraft, they take some, you know, mushrooms, some drugs, some something. Yeah, and he says that's that's still in there. That's, that's, that's there in the flesh. That's you trying to make God do something for you. Um, but anyway, all those things, and he says... And I have told you in time past that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, again, I'm going to dig into this a little bit because he talks about inheriting the kingdom of God and a lot of us think that means going to heaven. But it doesn't. Okay? When we talk about the kingdom of God, what we're talking about, in other words, the thing is, it the, we we use we use the words the same way, but it's just sort of a mind shift. So go with me. If I was talking about well, in the uh, in the uh, you know in the year whatever 878 during the reign of King Alfred, okay, we're not talking about his castle, okay. Even though even though those things are the same. So if we talk about his kingdom. I mean, we could talk about his palace. We could, there's words for that. But when they talk about kingdom, what they're really talking about is his whole system. His kingdom is everywhere he has influence and people have to do what he says. Okay? This is what the Bible's talking about. They don't inherit the kingdom of God. It doesn't mean that they don't go to heaven. That's not what he's talking about here. Okay? I'm also not talking about go ahead and do all those things because you can still go to heaven. I'm just saying these are two separate things. When he talks about the kingdom of God, what he's talking about is the way God has set up his system, God's rules, okay? And if you think about it, that's what we've been talking about this whole time. When I said, you know, that you have to have patience because you're looking at what God told you to do, that's his kingdom over you. I mean, hopefully you're in his kingdom, right? You are submitting yourself to do the things that that he told you he wanted done. Now, the reason why that's important is because that kingdom of God, see, again, it's not a location, it's a system. It's, you know, if God told you, do these things and this is the result that you'll get, then it doesn't matter what the rules are in the place where you happen to be. Okay, if you are... If you're in another country and you try to go by American rules, you're going to get in trouble. True or false? (laughs) Because this is America, and over the, you're an American, but you're in a different kingdom now. Okay? And you need to follow their rules. Okay? An exception to that is if I go to Mexico, and I think it's in Mexico City and I go to the consulate over there, as soon as I walk through the gates, I'm actually not in Mexico anymore. I'm in the United States. And United States rules apply over there because they've set up over there. That's kind of the way that you find yourself. You are here in this world subject to these rules, but you actually have a different set of rules that apply to you. If you're an ambassador in, a, in another country, and their whole economy drops you know their stock market goes and collapses and nobody's working and there's okay you're not worried that your paycheck's not going to cash right because you're not connected to that you you live there you are there but you're connected to a different system that has its own rules and what's happening in this country does not affect your rules this is the this is what i'm trying to get at with this idea like I said, it's, it's, such a, it's such a big thing that maybe it's a mind shift for you, but you are here in this country, in the United States, which is pretty good and has lots of nice rules and it's also got some rules that aren't so great right now and some things that aren't do, happening. And you know, And maybe there's inflation and maybe all this other stuff. But then your mistake would be that you have to necessarily participate in those things. We go back to the very first point that I made keep your eyes on your own rules you see you do what god tells you to do and he says don't worry about what's happening out here i'll take care of you that you know your checks don't cash from you know the bank of the united states your checks cash from the kingdom of heaven and so people who do those things will not be able to participate in god's system because you can boil down every single one of those things Envyings, murders, drugs, all the list of works of the flesh there, it's the same thing that it ever was. It's people trying to get their needs met outside God's system. That's why all of those things exist. Why does murder exist? Why does, you know, lasciviousness exist? Why does, um, gosh, I forgot the list already. But why do all those things exist? They all exist because people are trying to get their needs met without God's system. So if you keep trying to live in your own system, you're not going to inherit the way God does things. Why? Because you, you refuse. If you are an ambassador in another country and you feel like it's your job to live off of their economy, you're going to live like them even though you don't have to. But as long as you convince yourself that that's your system, you will stay in that system and reap the rewards of that system, but you will never inherit the results of this system. See, I mean, it's not a punishment. He's not talking about that. What he's saying is, if you refuse to give up your way of doing things and judging yourself by the rules of the place where you're at, you will never be able to live by the rules and get the results of the things that God is promising you. Because you can't, you can't stop looking at your circumstances, at what you're, you know. Again, patience is this idea of going back and checking with your source of supply. What did he say? I mean, I'm, I'm you know, whatever, whatever Biden said, you know, assuming I can understand it, that's great, you know. And that's good, but I care more what God said. You know, He didn't say, you know, uh, given it shall be given unto you unless the Federal Reserve jacks the interest rate's up to 7%. It it just, I work on different rules. I function on different rules, and so should you. But as long as you keep trying to get your needs met according to a different system, you're going to get the results of that system. Okay? So when you have to be patient, the patience comes from this place of you know you're looking at what other people are getting and on the on the let's call it the good side you're seeing that people are getting rewarded and they're doing things not according to your not according to your rule book in other words you see that people are doing wrong and getting ahead and that makes you want to do wrong but on the flip side of that you see other people doing poorly and you think that your job is just like theirs or you think you are just like them so then now you're going to start anticipating that bad things are going to happen to you. I mean, you know, the guy on the radio says the, the economy is going down. You Did you think that you don't have to participate in that? Or did you just say, well, I hope I can survive? The, okay, I mean, I'm, I'm glad that you remembered God, but I guarantee you that the ambassador to Mexico is not worried about the Mexican economy in terms of whether or not he's going to get paid that month. It's a different system. And as long as you keep trying to get your results from this other system, that you're going to have a problem because you're going to be seeing, you're going to be expecting, the, you're going to be bitter about the wrong things you know, people succeeding that aren't playing by the, by the rule book, and then you want to adopt their bad rule book. Or you, on the other side, you start fearing that you're going to get the same results of people that are not in your system. It, 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 it works on both sides. So when he says patient, he really means go back and look at, go look at your deal with God. Don't worry about other people's deal with God, or the United States' deal with people, or Mexico's deal with people that's not where you should be paying attention. You should be paying attention on the agreement that you and God made and how are you doing on that because your results come from him, not elsewhere. Okay? So, that's where, so going back to that, he says, those who do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So, constantly going back to um, trying to do these things yourself is going to ensure that you never get to reap the rewards from God's system from God's way of doing things he says but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness faith, meekness, temperance and against such there is no law and what he's saying is look if you stick to my way of doing things if you stick to God's way of doing things you're going to get the results that he promised and no one is going to be able to break the, No one's going to be able to make that illegal. They can't pass a law that doesn't allow you to receive from God. I mean, that really is the point, is that your your deal with God, nobody can mess with it. The only, I mean, you just have to check and see where you are on it and make sure that you are doing what God said to do. And everything else can be great or bad. It just doesn't matter. One way or the other, you don't have to participate. Okay? So, let's go to Ephesians 4 1 and I'll start to wrap it up. He says, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beg that you walk worthy of the vocation with which you were called. Okay? And so what he's talking about here is, look, you were called by God. You're sitting here because you felt that God had something for you. Okay? And now he's telling you, you need to be worthy of that call. You see, Jesus paid a tremendous price for you to be able to sit in this church today. And he's telling you that you need to walk in a way that makes that worthwhile. That Jesus' sacrifice meant something. He, He died to get you certain things. He died to get you out of the world's control, out of the devil's control, out of this world system. And you insist on going back, you know, thinking that your source of supply comes from this world when it doesn't. So he says walk worthy of that invitation that you were called with. where With all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, there it is again, forbearing one another in love. Okay, so again, this is us losing patience if we read into the context here. This is us getting impatient with other people that we're on this Christian walk with. And it's funny because that, that again looking into looking into what he's talking about with this idea of forbearing one another because that's something that's kind of missing a lot there's a lot of judgment you know there's a lot of judgment i mean just look at facebook like people just like to throw it on there and let somebody have it and what they're doing is they're judging look this person did something wrong let's all join in and you know throw tomatoes or whatever that's the equivalent but what he's saying is we should forbear one another in love, and that is what, keeping all this thing together, keeping this working, is what is making, how can I put it? It's making Jesus' sacrifice worthwhile. If we're all bickering and going, remember, this is the same guy that told the people in Galatia not to fight over the fact that these guys were doing it wrong. Okay? He says love them, serve them. And he's saying the same thing again here, you know. And that word forbearance is a really interesting picture because what it really means, we've all heard like to bear with something and it kind of feels like to carry, right? Um, But what what the words really mean there is really interesting because it paints a picture of, you know, we're all standing in line, let's say, and when we get to a certain point, they like dump a big, call it like a sack of coffee beans or something on our back and then we gotta go take it, right? So that's that's kind of the the picture is that, you know, people are coming and that, that bag, Kathy, that bag is yours. And you're in line and you're just waiting to go and grab your sack and go take it wherever you gotta take it. And it's heavy. And in the grand scheme of things, you deserve it. You stood in the line, you, you got to the front of the line, here comes your sack. You got what you paid for, let's go. Okay, the word forbearance here paints a really interesting picture. If I was to forbear Kathy, Kathy's got a problem or a burden that she's going to have to carry, and God asks me to forbear it, that what those words mean is for me to go up to her place in line, stand in front of her. And then grab the sack myself and then we go off. So whose sack was it? It was hers. God knows it was hers. Now what if that what if that was punishment for sin? Oh, now we're getting somewhere. Okay. Kathy, I mean she looks sweet and all that, but I'm probably guessing she's not perfect. She's probably not perfect. I mean, Lauda's not here to verify. Okay. So sooner or later, something that she does, sorry, this, I needed to use somebody. and Well, there you are. Um, something's coming her way that she bought and paid for. And I disagree. And I'm like, Kathy, you shouldn't. Don't. But she did it anyway. What's my job as a Christian? Point and laugh? Put it on Facebook. <laughs> Oof. No, God tells me that my, I don't have a burden. Why don't I have a burden? Because Jesus took it. But she's not in the right spot yet. It's not my job to go correct her and yell at her and you know, scream at her and tell her that she's dumb. My, the Bible says that my job is to go up where she is and because I don't have a burden because Jesus took mine, take hers. Why? So that she can see that the, see, don't take this the wrong way. But if she's not really connected with God, the only way she's going to experience what Jesus can do for her is if I do it for her. So then, she, you know, she's like, why are you helping me? Oh, because Jesus took my burden. And then we can have a conversation. And she doesn't have to get back in that line again. Because this life is not about what we deserve. Everything that we deserve is not good. You know? And it's funny because what happens is, what happens is when things go wrong like that, when, I mean, come on, there's a, certain, there's a certain yummy feeling. It's like dessert. When somebody that you don't like guess what they deserve. I guess I'm in the wrong church. This must be the holy church. Okay, there's just something like, you know, <laughs> yes! Okay, we're not supposed to be like that, guys. Because again, it's not about us winning. You see, again, that's that's the world system. If they get caught, then... You know, if they get caught, I do better. No, I've already got Jesus. What, you know, whether he gets away with it or he doesn't get away with it, what is that to me? I literally, in other words, just because somebody's doing the wrong thing doesn't take away from me. You know, that's just not how it works. God is the one responsible for what you reap in your life. You know? Um, And so what happens then is that When we see people, we're not called to judge them and whatever. Again, it's that same picture of patience. You look at your deal with God. Your deal should be pretty good. If you're paying any attention to it, it should be getting better. And so to the extent that it is better and those burdens that you don't have to carry, he's telling you, go grab somebody else, somebody that that can't hear me as well, and love them so that they can also hear me. Like, see, it's hard for us to imagine sometimes that God doesn't want anybody in hell. Not even Hitler. You know? He doesn't want anybody in hell. But they need to make the decision. But... So, in other words, what's our job then? Our job is to help them come to that realization. Not to... You know? So, again, that whole idea of patience. Again, it's patience this way. You know? To... Patience in the sense that you have to be aware of what your deal is with God so that you can make sure that things are flowing freely. If God has said, you know, if you're standing on God's promises for A, B, and C, then you should be receiving A, B, and C. And to the extent that you are, you should have enough free time left over to go help other people that don't hear Him as well as you. And that's how this whole system works because, again, it's not really about you because one way or the other we're going to spend, you know, a couple of decades on this earth and then we're going to go spend the rest of time in eternity. It really is the only thing that God wants from us during this whole time period is to make that crowd bigger, you know, and not by, you know, and that's not going to happen with pointing and laughing and Facebook. So, so again that that idea of patience it really is that's how you receive what you need to receive and how you can un unblock those doors by helping other people not receive what they what they deserve but to receive the same blessing and grace that you got so <laughs> don't want to go into it because I I think we're kind of running out of time, but I'm going to, I'm going to very quickly give you a couple of scriptures that you should look up. The first is Romans 5 and verse 1. And that talks about how you're justified by faith. And you can look forward to this process by which you can begin to receive your inheritance. That's what that whole section is about. Okay, hold on. Let's, let's go there real quick. I just won't stay long. I have to go into it. All right, real quickly. Have patience. So he says, therefore, being justified by faith. So yes, we're picking this up in the middle, but hopefully you understand that point, that your your right standing with God has come through faith, not because you're such a hot dog, okay? (coughs) So he says, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we also have access by faith into this grace in in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also. Okay, nobody glories in tribulations. That sounds bad. Okay. But what he's talking about is, again, this is is an idea of something that you're going to need to get comfortable with. You see, (coughs) it's real easy to think that your relationship with God is going really, really well if nothing's happening in your life. Nothing bad is going on. Okay? But the thing is, if nothing, if nothing bad is happening, that's great. I'm really glad for you. But sooner or later, something's going to hit you. I mean, Jesus said, in this world, you will have what? Hey! But he said, to be happy about it. Same thing here. But here, it goes into detail as to why that is. Okay? Okay? It says, we glory in tribulations. So tribulation doesn't mean trouble, right? Tribulation means testing. Okay? After you go to class, and they give you all your homework, and they teach you stuff, then you take a test. The test does not do anything to you, no matter how it feels when you take it. It reveals what was there. It reveals whether or not you studied. It reveals... is a test. Were you listening in church? Hope so. Because it's coming. No, I'm just kidding. But it is. So, So what is it about that test? He says, you should be happy that tests are coming. Why? Because that means you're graduating. Okay? You don't get tested on things you already know. There's a lot more room to get excited about Works there is, is also really interesting. It makes it means work, right? Hopefully, when you work, you're supposed to be taking something and making it useful for the next step in the process. Taking that ninth grader, and you're supposed to be making him ready for you know. If you are, you know, you should be getting that that stuff out of the ground and ready to go. That's what in the, in the old Bible uh, uh, was written in. Work was always, you know, work wasn't just something that that was fun. You know, when you worked and producing something else. So it's really work kind of carries that idea of you ready for. Okay? So he says when that puts you in the capacity that makes you able it works patience, what they're saying is it's making you having that test is now making you ready to start okay, so again that patience, comparing your senses with your, your rules with God, right? He says that you should also enjoy going through that patience because that patience puts you experience. Okay, so why is it, why is it that, that, that pastor seems to, you know, know a lot of stuff about life? It's because a lot of stuff has happened to him. Okay, as you go through life using this system of patience, right, so stuff happens, tribulations happen to all of us, but we attack those with our patience, with, with, seeing how God wants me to handle this and, and and taking care of it the way he said to. That builds experience, okay? And so once we build experience in how to handle these problems God's way, right, he says that makes us able to receive hope, okay? So why is it that people who go through a lot generally have hope? Because they've been through a lot and they're still here, Okay? And sometimes you need to hear from people like that because, you know, it's again, it's it's that whole system working that allows you, you know, I have hope that God is going to take care of me because he's done it so many times in so many different situations and not because, again, I did everything perfect. It's because whenever I stop to say, God, left turn, right turn, he's always been faithful to tell me which way to go. And it has worked out. I mean, I wish I could tell you it was a secret. The secret is to listen and then do what he tells you. That's the only secret. But that builds hope. And he says that hope will not make you ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in your hearts by the Holy Spirit given to us. So again, that's how the system works. The, <laughs> you're going to get tribulations all day long. okay? But if you deal with them, in patience, in God's way of doing things, then that gives you the experience to handle this kind of problem. And once you have that experience and that you see, okay, there's nothing that this world can throw at me that I can't deal with, then that is what builds hope. And that hope is not just for you, it's for everybody else. Again, the, it's, it's pretty straightforward. Now, um,. Last thing I'm going to read you is Hebrews chapter 6, and we will wrap it up with this. Um, all right. Again, well, Hebrews is a really dense book. Um, but he's he's talking to people who are Christians, and he's telling them... Um, He's telling them that life is kind of hard right now. And for them it it really was. They were the 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 church, uh the Hebrew church that he was talking to was going through some some difficulties. They were being persecuted. And some of them were beginning to fall away and point fingers at the the ones who were left and all that stuff. And um the writer here of, of um uh, of Hebrews, we think it's Paul, but we're not sure, was um was talking to him and trying to encourage them. And he says in verse 10, so uh, chapter 6, verse 10, he says, For God is not unrighteous to forget you. So he's kind of connecting these dots here. He says, I know you're going through a really hard time, but I know that you've been doing what you were saying to do. What, you know, you've know, you been continuing to do what you were told to do. And he says, that I, and, and you're going to keep doing that. I believe that you're going to keep doing that so that it ends up maturing, let's say, developing into that hope. He says, that full assurance of hope to the end that you be not slothful, so, you know, don't, don't give up, don't, don't back down. He says, but be followers of them who through faith and patience inherited the promises of God. And that, so in other words, that kind of wraps all this, all this stuff up. He knows they're going through stuff, but he's telling them, look, just stay in line with, with you know, these tribulations that come up. Let them work patience. And as you deal with those problems, God's way of doing things, then you will that will build some experience in you. And when you get those ex, those experiences in you, you'll be able to produce hope to the people around you. Remember all the forbearance in that picture that I said with all that is supposed to be happening. And then, at the end of it, he says, "But you know, don't don't give up, don't don't slack off, because what's going to happen is if you have your faith and you have your patience." So you believe that God really is going to do these things for you, and then you pay attention to His way of doing things, you will receive the things that He promised you. Even in a situation like this, and trust me, you know you want to go into what was happening to the Hebrew church at this time. We've seen no persecution like that. Okay, nobody's sticking us in in uh, uh, basically brass statues and building a fire underneath it so they can hear us make noises as we cook. And he's in the middle of that. He's still telling them this. You will inherit the promises if you, again, tribulations bring, anybody? What do tribulations bring? They work patience. Patience gives you experience. Experience gives you hope. And hope Brings you the promises of God, so, like I said, there's there's biblical patience doesn't mean wait like, ah, you know, come on, like we like we all haven't prayed like that, you know, Jesus, you know, okay, no one's ever rolled their eyes during somebody singing. He's never early, he's never late. <laughs> you know, it's like I said, sometimes sometimes. You know, God has eternity for things. I don't, you know. But again, when those kind of things happen, where am I? You know, where am I in my agreement with God? You see? And so that, that really is that, is that thing, is that, is that as, we, as we go through this life, we, in, we encounter things, we encounter problems. And the thing is, how do we approach those problems? Whine and complain? You know, and have patience? And patience doesn't mean just, you know, hunker down and wait till it blows over. It's, did you do what God said to do? Because God tells you to do weird things sometimes. You know, um, I'm drawing a blank on on what what person was involved here. Um, But he told them, uh, you know, he told them to plant when they were in the middle of a drought. You know, and then they reaped a hundredfold... Can you imagine? I mean, a hundredfold is good. But imagine reaping a hundredfold in, let's say, wheat or something like that when nobody around you can grow anything? That for so you already got a hundred times what you got of what you planted. How much worth how much more is that going to be worth when nobody else can plant anything? Again, it wasn't about God didn't care about the wheat or any money that they would have made. All of that was immaterial. What it was was a sign that there was a God over here that would do what he said. And that's the same role that you play today. You know, when, when you receive the promises of God, it's not just, I mean, it's great and you can go celebrate. It's, we good, it's good and we should. But that is for other people to know that God came alongside me in my trouble and helped me out of it. I was wondering how Gilly had gone to the piano before me. I heard the train. I didn't see him. Anyway, um, but like I said, so so that that is, like I said, that's my my big picture view. I hope you got something out of it. The idea, like I said, is patience doesn't mean wait. Patience is very active, Okay. But it's actively going through there and remembering. I mean, because I can tell you, on all the times that I've ever, things have kind of gotten off track with me. Believe it or not, it wasn't God that messed it up. It's usually me. It's okay, always me. And how did I fix it? Was it like, you know, sackcloth and ashes and rip? No, it doesn't have to be. All you got to do, you know, okay, going back to the trash in the car, Okay? What would you rather? Okay? So your kid finally understands that he needs to go take out the trash if he wants any hope of not walking. What would you rather that that he go, Oh, I understand now. Let me go get the trash and that he does it? Or that he rolls around on the kitchen floor like ripping his clothes and being, Oh, merciful parent, forgive me. I have wronged thee and making a big show you don't care about the show, just just and that the thing is you know that god in all the times that I have screwed this up, which have been plenty, when I get back to where it was that god what God told me to do, he's just still waiting for me to do the last thing he's not even upset, I mean, he knew the chances of me doing it when he told me to do it. All he's waiting for is me to just to get with the program, you know. And then after I do it, he's not even going to hold it against me. He's actually going to forget, because he can do that, that he told me in, you know, 1989 to throw out the trash, and I didn't get to it until 2015. (laughs) He'll act, seriously, he will act like if you just paid attention the first time. Because that's how he treats you. Because if he was mad at you, (laughs) none of this would ever work. So, that said... You know, don't, this, this idea of just listening to God and making small corrections, I mean, big corrections if you have to, don't get me wrong, but, but it's better, it's easier if you listen a lot and make little corrections a lot because then, you know, you don't find yourself way off a target. Um, that said, that, that, that kind of biblical patience is an active thing it 's a it 's an ongoing thing, okay, and it doesn 't mean just sit there and tap your foot until God gets around to it because chances are he 's waiting for you to do the last thing He told you, and if you just sit there and wait for the bus it 's never going to come okay so like I said, I hope you got something out of it i think um, I think it 's a, a a message you know, especially as the as the world continues continues to go down its its path where they're like even further off it's not going to get us off the hook you know Bible says that the the world's going to be in gross darkness but that there'll be light in our houses okay but to the extent that there is it's because we're doing what he said to do and not going with the flow so Let's just go ahead and close our eyes for a moment and just pray for the, for the message that it, it uh, sinks down into our hearts and, and, and leaves roots there that will help us get through this life because that's what this whole thing is about. It's about giving us the tools we need to navigate through life. Dear Father God, we just thank you for the word today. We thank you for um, your covenant that makes this whole thing possible we thank you father god that you're not holding our past sins against us you're not holding our past deeds against us but rather you're faithful and just to forgive us our sins and as soon as we repent of them and turn away from them you forget them like if they never if they never existed but then father you you work with us and you develop us so that we can see how to do things the way the way you want to have them done those things that that are different from the way the world wants to handle things so that we can be that sign and that witness that your way is a better way. We just thank you for it, Father God, and I just pray for this congregation that they that they are able to to get something out of this, Father God, that, that will make their lives more fruitful. And they can have all the desires of their heart that they ask you for, Father. Thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, I am done. <laughs> Thank you. Um, the, um, the, uh, and I finished seven minutes early. Um, but that said, um, if you want to be uh, part of the missions of the church, um, guys, can you put the, the link up on the screen? So if you're interested in being a part of the outreaches of the church, again, you know that this year our main outreach is going to be here to the, to the local community. You know that we still do things overseas, and, and uh, you know, God has called us to, to be a mission. But, again, our first mission is home. Um, and so as that, um, you know, if you want to be part of what God is doing, um, I'll just tell you there's no, there's no better way uh, than to... Uh, take an interest in the things that are important to God, um, and uh, you know His covenant of, of uh, His promises to us that that have to deal with finances. <laughs> it's the best thing out there; they're backed by God Himself. So, all that said, if you want to if you want to be a, a part, uh, there's. Uh, the link that you can you can go to online or if you're interested uh there's uh envelopes here on the on the uh, table that you uh, the chairs that you can fill out um i'll just give it a little bit as as people ready their offerings and then we'll pray for it and be dismissed Like everybody's finished, so if you'll just uh please stand for a moment and we'll we'll pray over the offering and over our congregation and then we'll be dismissed. Dear Father God, again, we just thank you for uh the word today. We thank you, Father God, that our uh pastors are going to be returning soon. Um we just ask that you bless them with uh anything that the, all their needs are met on their trip back and that everything happened quickly and without any any surprises. We just thank you, Father God, and we just um, Thank you for them, that they're able to, to be able to relax for a little bit without uh, the church going haywire. We just thank you for that, Father God. And Father God, we also lift up our congregation as they um, are navigating this world, Father God, that is becoming more and more interesting every day. We just thank you, Father God, that, that we have a congregation of people that is committed to learning from you, your way of doing things and your way of being right. We just thank you for it, Father God, that they are growing up to be that witness, Father God, for you in this earth. We just thank you for it, Father God, in Jesus' name. Amen. You are dismissed. Ooh, and I'm still three minutes early.